Hi, this is Ken Nagel, and you're listening to YoMTG Taps. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of YoMTG Taps. Howdy. Just, uh, just ahead of time, I have a little cold, I'm a little stuffy, so... Apologies if I'm, it'll be like a lot of cuts in here because of coughing and, and things and sniffling. So, uh, episode 12, we, uh, we have a couple things to talk about. It was a pretty interesting weekend. Um, we had Pro Tour San Diego. We had Joe playing in his first PTQ. And my first extended tournament and, ever. And yeah, first extended tournament. Joe also judged a standard tournament yesterday. This is true. So, so Joe had a pretty exciting weekend, so... Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Um, I had more hits on my blog this week and like than ever because I, I posted on Friday, um, once the Pro Tour started, I posted a blue-white standard list that was kind of inspired by Patrick Chapin's list. Um, I saw him playing it on the cruise, and I found out from Evan Irwin that uh, the Chapin wanted to keep the list kind of under wraps. So I didn't want to post anything about it until the Pro Tour was actually underway. So I posted my the best approximation of the list that I could come up with because I didn't actually you know write it down on the uh, on the cruise. I just watched him play like three or four games, and it looked great. And uh, I love it. I I was playing it last week. Um, so I posted that on Friday, and then I updated it and then posted another one on Saturday. I think when uh, once things became clear, he had a video deck tech actually over the weekend. So. Uh, his list was kind of laid out on the table, and I could see where the the, uh, the few cards that I missed or that he cut, you know, within the week. But anyway, because of that, I had like tons of hits all over my blog because I I guess a lot of people were looking for Chapin's list and they found up, it on AffinityForIslands.com. Yeah, That's plug, right. Plug 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 plug. Um, oh, another thing which was exciting to me was I was on the Magic Show on Friday, so. Uh, if anybody wants to check that out, if you haven't watched it already, on StarCityGames.com, check out Evan Irwin's The Magic Show, episode 176. Um, that was pretty exciting. Um, for me, anyway. Ooh, I'm on The Magic Show! <laughs> so, what do you want to start off with? Well, I mean, obviously the biggest news was the uh, Pro Tour. Yeah, so I guess let's start off with that. probably start with the Pro Tour. Um, so, the top eight decks were Louis Scott Vargas playing... Naya, Boss Naya, which is basically it's very similar to the, uh, to, it's a kind of straight up Naya aggro list. It reminded me a lot of Naya lightsaber with a couple World Wake updates, including the main thing being uh, Stoneforge Mystic, uh, you know, which is a the white creature you can search up in equipment, uh, and Basilisk Collar and Behemoth Sledge. That was what the Mystic was typically searching up. Um, Pretty much the Behemoth Sledge makes every creature into a Baneslayer Angel. And so does Basilisk Collar, really. Um, yeah, so, you know, this fantastic equipment and a way to search it up. They had uh, in the sideboard Cunning Spark Mage, which is the, what is it, an 01 haste creature, I think? That, yes. That can ping, you know, it, it tap it to deal one damage to any creature or player. So you equip it with the Basilisk Collar, and it's, uh, you know, it just kills everything. It's just, you know... Tap this to kill your creature. It, since it has death touch, Basilisk Collar gives it lifelink and death touch. Uh, until they deal with it, they aren't going to have any creatures on, on the board. So, uh, 
Benny Smith from Star City Games, uh, Blair Witch Green on Twitter, uh, posted something about using Scattershot Archer with Basilisk Collar, which I just think is an insanely fun interaction. Scattershot Archer costs one green to play. He's a 1-1 elf. 1-2 for one green. Taps to deal one damage to each creature with flying. I really love that interaction. honestly forgot about it when I was building my mono green deck. But, uh, oh, yeah, there you go. I think I'm probably going to have to uh, go back and rethink that. Um, for the sideboard. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, we have to talk about your mono green deck, but we can get to that a uh, little later. It so. also hits Sphinx of Dwarrow. That's true. And uh, so that's pretty awesome. I love that interaction. But yeah, this Cunning Spark Mage was the one that uh, LSV was using in his deck. Yeah. So. Uh, or in the sideboard, actually. Yeah, it was in the sideboard. Continuing with the top eight, we had Daniel Grafensteiner. Um, and he was running, looks like, a junk list. Green, white, black. Green, white, black. Kyle Bogamus was running Jund. Simon Gortston was running Jund. Niels Vian was running um, an Esper. It was. It's an Esper uh, Open kind the Vault like, style. Is it Open the Vault? I think he called it Open Filigree because uh, Filigree Angel. Filigree Angel. Filigree Angel is the one that. Uh, was it when it comes into play, you gain three life for each artifact you control or something like That's that? That's correct. When it comes into play, you gain three life for each artifact you control, and it's a 4-4 four, four for a ridiculous casting cost. Um, but you don't cast it, you bring it out of your graveyard. Exactly. Uh, Yoshihiko Ikawa uh, was running Jund. Craig Wesco was running a mono white, like a white, weenie, white weenie build. Pretty uh, awesome. Center, it looks like centered around uh, Stoneforge Mystic and uh, some... Trusty Machete, Basilisk Collar, uh, Sigil of Distinction. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Jeroen Canis is running a uh, a Red Deck Wins list. Yep. Which I thought was really interesting to see in the top eight. And Canis was the one who, uh, I think at the end of the Swiss, he was playing against Nassif, and Nassif was running Blue-White Control along with uh, Patrick Chapin and Mark Herberholtz. Those three were running a Blue-White Control list. Uh, I believe they were all the same. And I really wanted Nassif to make top eight, but anyway, uh, top deck lightning bolt took Nassif out, and uh, I I posted on Twitter, uh, God damn it, whose idea was it to reprint lightning bolt? <laughs> so um, we had Luis Scott Vargas, most notably, um, up until the semifinals, he was seventeen and zero, right? Yeah, never done that before. That's uh, the previous record was fourteen and zero, and that was almost ten years ago. Wow, but um. Yeah, so that was a, a pretty impressive showing there. Um, now, unfortunately, our final matchup in the uh, in, at the Pro Tour was Jund on Jund. Yeah. And guess which deck won the Pro Tour? Jund won. And these lists are both pretty much the same old lists that have been going around standard. Yeah, which a couple updates from World A Lake. couple updates, very like little to like, explore in one list, and was there any? Well, I mean, instead of Rootbound Crag, they were running like the Ravine. Oh, or right, you were, well, yeah. obviously the regular I mean, Ravines, but so we're gonna probably rant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I, I understand Jund is a good deck. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a good deck. It won a Pro Tour. Something. Really, I don't know. Something needs to be done. I think it's 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 kind of insane. I mean, even Ken Nagel was posting about how some Magic players only experience playing Standard is playing against Jund, which I found to be interesting coming from the designer of Worldwake. 
I, I personally don't want to go too much into my feelings on Jund because I feel like we've kind of exhausted that topic quite a bit. Yeah. But it's still relevant. That's no, it's all, it is absolutely still relevant. It's just I'm so sick of seeing the same deck. I don't care what it is. I'm sick of seeing the same deck. Here we have Worldwake, you know, a, a brand new set, and I'm like so excited. They're like, great, here's this new set. It's going to shake up the format. And, uh, you know, it gets to the semifinals, and it's John versus John, and I'm like, well, I guess uh, guess I don't need to watch the, the finals. I don't really care at this point. Once it, once it got to John versus John, the finals match, which should be the most exciting part, I'm just like, I don't care. It's the same crap we've been seeing. I just think that's a shame. Where's the like, innovation? You know, these guys are professional magic players. Kudos to Pat Chapin, uh, Nassif, and Herberholst for coming up with something fresh and something exciting. Kudos to LSV for, for putting together an, an exciting Nihilist. Uh, kudos to the guys all, like, I guess, 41 decks running White Weenie. That, that's pretty interesting to see right. uh, on a pro tour, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's cool to me. Like, I love to see those sort of things happening in, you know, in standard play, especially in professional standard play. Right. It's nice to see the innovations. We have a new set. There are new tools at your disposal, you know, let the innovative deck builders build and then let them create and let them come up with new things. But to see someone go, I got this deck, it's called John, I put some new lands in it and a couple of things yeah, that let me put a land into play. Like it's that's not a different deck. It's boring. Same. It's so boring. If you want to sign the petition to ban Bloodbraid Elf, go to otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com. Still not too serious about it, but maybe this Pro Tour will build some momentum on it. Yeah, I, I, you know, one way or the other, we're, I'm just venting on this because it's sure. like, of course Jund is a good deck. It's, it's a good, it's obviously a good deck. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not even saying it's like too strong exactly. I'm just saying it is freaking boring. It is boring. It's boring. We've seen it before. It's just on and on and on. It's just... People People say, and this is what I was going to say about why I wanted Nassif to make the top eight. I, I like Nassif. That's one reason. Because he usually plays decks that I like to play um, last year with the five-color control thing and everything. Um, but anyway, um, I love watching the video coverage of the Pro Tours. I've downloaded them. I have tons of them on my computer, I go back and watch them over again, because I'm really entertained by this game, and I want to watch the pros play these decks. I want to see, how do they do it? I want to learn from them. I like to watch and see the decisions they make. For example, last week with uh, GP Oakland, and uh, who was it that, that did the uh, Oblivion Ring on the Terastodon? Yes! Right, Saito. Saito. Yeah, Saito with the with the O-ring on the Terastodon was such a cool play. Right, and so being able to see that, that's something that I don't think I would have thought of. Seeing how the pros play their game and how they think, that's something I get a lot out of. So I wanted to see the blue-white control list make it into the top eight because I want to I want to watch Nassif play it. You know, I want to watch him and see the choices he makes because I'm playing this deck and I'm sitting there going, you know, I lose the game, or I'm, or I'm falling behind, and I'm going, am I, did I make a mistake? Was this a, the right thing to do? Did I make the right choice? It's really neat to me, it's very uh, beneficial to me, and players all over the place, to be able to watch a pro player play decks. Jund is not, it, it does not fall into that category. It's like watching people flip coins, like, hmm, I'm gonna play this card and let's see what happens. It's like, that's not fun. There's a lot less information that you can take
take away from watching somebody play Jun than just cascade into the right card or the wrong card. You know, like, Jun on Jun. Okay, I cascade into Blightning. Well, good job. I cascade into, you know, uh, Maelstrom Pulse with nothing on the board. You know, like, okay, well, both players made the exact same decision by maybe playing a Bloodbraid Elf. One of them's decision was... Uh, beneficial only because of how he shuffled. It was completely random. I don't know. I just I can't stand Jund because it is such a random deck and it's so strong. Um, and I think that's a lethal combination. And it's boring now. It's boring. So people would complain about control decks, draw, go. Oh, they're so boring to watch and boring to play. Well, maybe that that's fine. You can think that. But at least there are decisions being made. At least you can look at their watch that game and see the decisions being made, you know, choices, not just, oh, I play a Cascade spell and Cascade into something random. Right. See, and, 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 I, and I, would feel, I would feel like a whiner um, talking about this more, but if you looked at Twitter right after that match, like, most of the Twitterverse was on the same page as us, like, God, Jund, oh my God, I can't believe we're watching this deck in the final again. I wasn't home. I came home and caught up on everything after I got done judging that event. But if I had been home and I was watching the coverage and I saw Jund on Jund, I would have turned it right off. I don't right. care. I don't want to watch that. Um, and again, playing against Jund isn't as much of a problem. I'm more upset that Jund is in these is here, where something I've been waiting for. We only get four Pro Tours a year. I'm like so looking forward to this, and I'm so disappointed that this is the deck, or these are the decks that I've got to watch. Uh, so, no, do I have a problem playing against John? No. But if I ha- I do have a problem having to watch, you know, having my Pro Tour that I've been looking forward to watching uh, being just dominated by this deck that is, it's, it just doesn't take as much skill. I just don't think it does. You know, I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't boycott the game because the game's too much damn fun. Yeah. And, um, and, and I love playing, and and I, and I once again I don't mind having to play against John. It's just that there's got to be something that can be done. And Joe is going to Twitter.com/slash/mtgaron. Uh, yeah, Aaron Forsyth. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I was, I was just, <laughs> I was just giving an update there. Well, what Aaron Forsyth tweeted a little while ago was that LSV's deck had as many Cascade spells as Gertzen's, so it's wrong to associate Jun's dominance too closely with that mechanic. Um, but then he goes on to say Jun has card quality up and down. It plays Pulse, where other decks use O-Ring. So, um, yeah, and, that, and that's true. So, I don't know where the problem is. I think banning Bloodbraid Elf would certainly take Jun out, out of the top eight. You know, I mean, it could still play. I, I don't know. I, I just, I never was one of those players to complain and say, you need to ban this card or that card. I just, I've never wanted to be that kind of player. And I still feel like, I don't think it's strong enough to warrant banning, to be honest. I don't think it's strong enough. It's just irritating. It, it's annoying. It's, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, the, it's the fairies of its day, I guess. I guess uh, so. But times five, I would say, in terms of like it do- I aggravation like- factor, because at least with fairies, you had to make these decisions. Yeah, that's to, the uh, whole- to win the game. Like if you if you played like crap, you know your your results would reflect that. Right. And if you if you played Jund, 
if you, you if you shuffled like crap, you know, it's basically how did you shuffle? Right. And it's just kind of boring. It's not. It's not an exciting final match. And I'm glad I was busy uh, judging an event to miss it. Frankly. And I think uh, I guess I'm also disappointed. I like to see variety. I want to see. It's fine if you know the control deck loses in the top eight. You know that sucks. Uh, but at least it got there, and I got to watch somebody play with it. But I mean, LSV's deck, however you know cool it is with the Stoneforge Mystics and uh, uh, I guess Knight of the Reliquaries searching up like Tectonic Edge with uh, some new tech. It's Nia lightsaber. I mean, it's very close to Nia lightsaber. It's it's got some extra. Uh, tech in there, but it, it's still, it's not uh, it's not far off from Nia Lightsaber. No, it didn't win this time, but to me, it's kind of like I just saw this in November, the end of November, I just saw this top 8, you know uh, it's, it's just not it just sucks when you look forward to these things, they only happen 4 times a year and you just don't get to, uh Experience or the experience is not what you expect until until real innovation starts to happen. Standard is officially a stale format, right? And that really is ridiculous considering it's really it's sad. Two weeks after a new set, no, it's it's pretty sad. What can you do? I mean, we don't we don't we don't print the cards, we don't run the DCI, we don't do any of those things. We can just sit here and voice our opinions on them, and you can agree with us or disagree. Right. And that's fine. That's your right, and that's just as well as it's our right to express our opinions on our podcast. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about the top standard decks of uh, Pro Tour San Diego that were not in the top eight. There's a Vampires list. And, and runs eight Vampire Nocturnus, according to... Yeah, that, yeah I, wish, I wish we had the real list here, because this list here tells us <laughs> that it's running... It just it's probably it Nighthawk. It has to be Nighthawk. Why would they not run Nighthawk? So it's probably Nighthawk. Yeah, they just they wrote Nocturnus twice, which I've called it Nocturnus a bunch of times too. <laughs> so I don't feel bad anymore. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the the standard vampires deck: three Bloodgast, four Gatekeeper, four a uh, three Clastria Highborn, three Malakir Blood Witch, three Vampire Hexmage, four Nocturnus, and four Nighthawk. We assume right. It's two Grim Discovery, two Mind Sludge, two Sign and Blood, four Tendrils, three Urge to Feed, sideboard: three Deathmark, two Duress, one Blood Witch. Two Marsh Casualties, two Mind Rot, two Myers Toll, two Nemesis Trap, and one Vampire Hexmage. So, an interest, some interesting changes uh, to the Vampire list, utilizing new World Wake cards. Um, okay, That's so good. we got Boss Naya here. Um, do you want to go over what that list? Do you want? Do you want to talk about the lists? Or uh, we can run it down real quick. The main thing. Well, it's it's got Birds of Paradise, Bloodbraid Elf, Dauntless Escort, Knight of the Reliquary, Noble Hierarch, Ranger of Eos, Scoot Mob, Stoneforge Mystic, and Wild Nacatl. Um And a Johnny Vengeant, Basilisk Collar, Behemoth Sledge, Lightning Bolt, Oblivion Ring, and Path to Exile. So mainly it's, uh, it's an, a Naya Agro list. It's got Knight of the Reliquary. It's probably the most interesting uh, addition to the deck, with the exception of the Stoneforge Mystic searching up the equipment kind of uh, interaction, because Knight of the Reliquary now can search up um, the Raging Ravine, you know, Manland, the... the Sejuri Step. Sejuri Step, that's... I was getting there. I'm, I'm reading down the list here. Sorry. Uh, it's got uh, Sejuri Step, which when it comes into play, target creature gains protection from the color of your choice, so uh, you can search that up. You can search up a Tectonic Edge, Stirring Wildwood, 
Um, so I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, Two mana barbs in the sideboard, which I find to be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they were for the control decks. Right. Um, here's a mono white. Oh wait, I'm lying. <laughs> this is a, this is a green white list. This is running. Uh, really, the only green cards in it are what Night, Night of the, the Reliquary and the Manlands and uh, Dauntless Escort in the sideboard. Yeah. Pretty much, it's it's like mono white with like mono white splash green, splash of green. Here's a oh, here's a bant list. Oh, yeah. nice. So this bant list here is running uh, four colonnade, three wildwood, so uh, seven manlands, four baneslayer, four birds, four knight of the reliquary, four lotus cobra, four hierarch, three rafika the many, two rampaging baloths, four war monk, one thornling, three finest hour. Yeah, very cool. Two Admonition Angel in the sideboard, three Bant Charm, one Day of Judgment, two Jace in the sideboard, four Mind Control. Which Jace? The Mind Sculptor. And three Negate. I mean, come on, which, which how many Jaces are there now? Um, <laughs> That's true. You know? Who's this guy? There's some guy named Patrick Chapin. Pat Chapin's list is uh, not going to be read here. You can find that at affinityforislands.com. Um <laughs> But Pat Chapin had a list. Uh, it's a blue-white control list. Blue-white control. Cliffhanger. So the current mono-red uh, aggro build is uh, running <coughs> three teetering peaks, eight fetches, 13 mountains, four ball lightning, four goblin guide, four health thunder, four health spark, four plated geopede, three burst lightning, three earthquake, four lightning bolt, two quenchable fire, and four searing blaze. A sideboard of three Dragon's Claw, two Hellkite Charger. Mm. Really? Wow. That's an interesting uh, choice. I guess that's one way to get a hell of a lot of damage in at once. Yeah. No wow. pun intended. Hell. <laughs> a Hellkite of a lot of damage. <laughs> two Mana Barbs, two, more, uh, two Punishing Fire, two more Quenchable Fire, and four Unstable Footing. Not too many changes to that list, although the punish uh, the quenchable fires are new. Uh, I haven't seen those in in any uh, uh, red deck wins lists, but I might not have been paying enough attention. Ooh, Stephen King, yes, yeah, one of my favorite horror authors. Uh, he, he played one of my least favorite decks. Um, okay, let's <laughs> move on. So this is a mono white list that splashes blue simply for four celestial colonnades. Yeah, that's one way to do it, yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. You've got one island, 15 plains, and four glacial fortresses along with the four colonnades. Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. He's like, I want Sarah Angel, but I don't want to have to use her in a spell slot, right? <laughs> I don't have to use up a spell slot for her. That's really great. Thank you, Wizards, for making Sarah Angel that much more relevant. <laughs> like, we, pre we reprinted Sarah Angel at Uncommon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for wasting an Uncommon slot on that. That's a cool list. So this list is four Elite Vanguard, four Knight of the White Orchid, Four Core Firewalker, two Core Skyfisher, one Stoneforge Mystic, four White Knight, one Basilisk Collar, three Conqueror's Pledge, four Elspeth, three Honor of the Pure, two Oblivion Ring, three Path, and one Sigil of Distinction. And the sideboard is two Ajani Goldmain, four Devout Lightcaster, three Luminarch Ascension, three Negate in the sideboard. Mm. Very interesting. Wow, one Path and two Vapor Snares. So that's a really, I think that's a really neat list. Yeah. So we are seeing the innovation, we just weren't seeing it in the top eight. That list is anti-Malin's list. Um, he is a guy who won Worlds in 2008 with a Fairies list. So he, here's an example of the Open the Vaults deck that is going around right now. Um, 
the deck runs 20 lands. Uh, two Colonnade, four Fortress, four Island, two Kabir Crossroads. I guess I'm like, four Fortress. <laughs> I start over. Two Celestial Colonnade, four Glacial Fortress, four Island, four, two Kabir Crossroads, two Marsh Flats, three Plains, one Swamp, and two Terramorphic Expanse. Also, uh, two Field Mist Border Posts and one Mist Vein Border Post just to uh, help out the mana base right there. Right. Uh, we have four Architects of Will, four Filigree Angel, four Glass Dust Calk, one Sharum the Hegemon, four Sphinx of Lost Truths, three Courier's Capsule, three Day of Judgment, two, uh, you already said the two Field Mist Border Posts, two Jace the Mind Sculptor, two Journey to Nowhere, one Mistvane Border Post, three Oblivion Ring, four Open Vaults, and four Spreading Seas. Sideboard is one Day of Judgment, three Flash Freeze, two Hindering Light, one Jace the Mind Sculptor, two Journey to Nowhere, four Negate, one Oblivion Ring, and one Sanguine Bond. It's a, Sanguine Bond, eh? Well, hey? Yeah, it's a... Oh, that's really interesting with, with the filigree, filigree angel. angel right? Wow! It's whenever you gain life, your opponent loses that much life. Wow! So with uh, open the vaults, <laughs> plopping that into play with some filigree angels. Oh, that is stupid! I love pretty it. Pretty sick interactions. This deck is so full of like synergy. It's just like cycle, cycle, cycle. Uh, you know, play some defense, play open the vaults. I mean, you can play things of lost truths and discard. You know, filigree angels and things, and uh, sanguine bonds if you want. It really takes advantage of, of the open the vaults idea. Are there, uh, there's not really many fogs or any fogs in the list. That's what we're used to seeing, like Angel Song, and uh, what else? But, well, this, but back when this deck was last viable, there was Holy Day. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. And, um, and that was, you know, obviously in there. But it looks like there's just a lot of uh, removal and bounce and stuff like that. Really interesting. So I like that. That see, there's some there's some yeah, innovation the right there. Like, what in the world? Okay, so um, apparently somebody was running Vendillion Click in their standard deck. That's according to uh, <laughs> according to Wizards site. Wow, who typed this up and how long have they gone without sleep? Seriously, <laughs> they were like, oh, I'm I'm still in Oakland. Oh, one thing I want to mention real quick is that there was a really interesting uh, turn one win. With uh, Goblin Guide, um, in, in at, what? At, at the Pro Tour. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, so turn one, the uh, the player plays a Goblin Guide and attacks. Um, the opposing player resolves the trigger and flips over Damnation. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a turn. There's a turn one kill with Goblin Guide. There you go. Pretty nice. Somebody yeah. uh, yeah. must have packed the wrong deck. Probably. Was still uh, playing their deck from Grand Prix Oakland. Wow, pretty funny. That, that there's another example of not getting too much sleep, I suppose. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, we had a bunch of Jund lists. We had a bunch of uh, looks like a bunch of green white lists uh, or uh, not uh, boss Naya lists, uh, things like that. A couple of Bant lists. A couple of Bant lists. Some vampires going around. Overall, I, I certainly expected to see a little more innovation. I, I expected to see Jund in, in, in full force. Oh, yeah. Frankly, I, I mean, I, I fully expected to see Jund um, all over the place at the Pro Tour, but I did not expect the other pros who decided to play other decks, I did not expect Jund to run over all of the new decks like it did, apparently. Yeah. That was the one thing that was surprising to me was... Wow, you mean you have 145 more cards to uh, try to stop this deck, and the people, you know, the people who were supposed to do that, fill that role, failed. 
So, I mean, in a way, that's, I mean, in a way, you can't really blame Jund for, um, for running the tables because the people who wanted to try something new should have been able to come up with something that, uh, that stopped it, I think. I don't know what the problem is. I don't really feel like, uh, I just don't, I don't feel like the deck is so strong. It's no, like, Ravager affinity kind of thing. I don't even think it was, it's as strong as, like, fairies was. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't feel like magic. It's not fun. It's not, it's not players making decisions. It's randomization making decisions. Right. Uh, well, one good piece of news is that uh, somebody played the standard Jun deck at the extended PTQ on Saturday mm -hmm. because they couldn't get the uh, Cloudstone Curios they needed to run uh, Combo Elves, <laughs> and they were like, oh, I'm just going to run Jun," and uh, they did not do very well at all. No, well, so there's, there's one consolation, is that uh, Jund, the, the list, the Jund list uh, from standard cannot make the jump to extended, at least not in its current form. Um, and I guess that's a good way to transition into my PTQ experience. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Um, I, Tell us, start off, what, what was round one? Well, first with the deck I was running. <coughs> yeah, um, go for it. I, went, I, I ran a, uh, a mono-red burn list that I called the Burninator, and it was a fairly, you know, typical mono-red uh, extended burn list. Um, the only, I think the only main differences I put in the deck were I put Rite of Flame's main deck, because the way I looked at it was, I mean, Dark Ritual was good, you know, so I was like, I want to run those, and there's nothing like dropping a turn one double goblin guide, and then turn two, putting a teetering peaks in play, and then, you know, hitting them for at least ten on to the, by the second turn, which was a lot of fun for me. Um, and I got to live that dream in one game, and I was really happy about that. Um, I went turn one, uh, two Goblin Guides, turn two Teetering Peaks, or turn two Spark Elemental, Teetering Peaks, and sw and swung for, uh, for nine on the second turn. So that was a lot of fun. But overall, I, I think I made a couple bad sideboard decisions as far as like what my sideboard actually was. Um, I feel like I made a couple poor... I made a couple very poor gameplay decisions, but that's it, okay. I mean, you, you learn from mistakes. You can't you can't learn anything if you don't ever make mistakes. But you can't uh, play perfect magic until you learn stuff. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so, so what round did you win? I I won in round two. Okay. I lost round one to uh, yeah. Dark Depths uh, combo deck. I won game one of that, and then they sided. I, I made a sideboard decision that I kind of really didn't like. Okay, first of all, I put in place of Magma Jets, because I don't know why, I just don't like playing Magma Jet. Maybe it's just me, but I just because don't... Because you're used to Lightning Bolt. I don't like it. Um, so I was running Sudden Shock instead of Magma Jet uh, main deck. Three copies of Sudden Shock. And my plan against Dark Depths was I was going to um, Sudden Shock... A vampire hex mage when they pass priority, and then so then game two they would play the hex mage poorly. They would play it, retain priority, and sack it to make their token right away. So I couldn't uh, so I couldn't sudden shock it, and then the next turn I would take it with the active treason that I had boarded in and swing in for the win. Um, didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I actually had an active treason in my hand when someone used their dark depths. Um, who act? Who, um, who? Someone played a merit lage token, but then I didn't have the mana to cast the active treason. So, oh god! So there went that idea. 
I think the other problem was that I had run 19 lands. How's that milk? Joe's been like inspecting this milk for like two minutes, and uh, I'm sorry. It says it expires on February 25th, which is today is the 22nd, so it should be fine. But you know, I just was checking it, and I kind of looked at it closely, and it kind of looked like maybe I never look at milk that closely. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, is that going to be okay? And I'm drinking it, whatever. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. You were like. Sniffing, you're doing the sniff. You were doing the shake. You were doing all the different milk tests uh, to try to see if the milk was any good. Um, but mission accomplished. The milk is good. It tastes fine. So, um, so that so that that kind of sucked. So in match two, I had my bonehead play of the year, part one. Um, so my opponent has a Tarmogoy fell. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a, a 3-4. There is a creature, a sorcery, and a land in the graveyard. And I go, I'm like, yeah, I got, I got this boy. And I'm like, shrapnel blast on the Tarmogoy? <laughs> and then I realize that I'm an idiot. <laughs> And the Tarmogoy is now a 5-6. <laughs> we called a judge over to verify that I was an idiot. Uh, because because it, wasn't, it wasn't cool just having one person know how stupid I am. And I guess that's also why I'm sharing that story on this podcast. So... It's just funny. It was great. I mean, like, you know, I was like, okay. Because I was totally looking at the artifact the whole time and going, yeah, yeah, the sacrifice artifacts, so it'll be a 4-5 perfect. I got this. I got this. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take out the Tarmogoyf. <laughs> That's awesome. And I nailed it with a shrapnel blast, making him a 5-6. <laughs> Somehow that was the match I won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you win that game? No. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Okay. No, that game was one of the most embarrassing blowouts I think I've ever been a part of, other than game two. Um, well, what was he playing? What deck? He was playing Zoo. Okay. So he was playing a pretty standard Zoo list. And um, Naya Zoo. And I was, well, well, game two of round one, I got the, I got killed on turn three by the Dark Depths. Oh, okay. So, so that was that was pretty fun. That was a pretty fun blowout uh, to be a part of. The, the round two was Tarmogoyf situation was terrible. The Tarmogoyf debacle, I think, was probably yeah. Better. Round three, I played against another zoo list with less success. I'm pretty sure he nailed me in two games. And then um, round four, I played against the. Um, the Brozek Boros list. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was cool to play against. Um, you didn't have your Dark Blast. No. <laughs> I didn't. In your mono red list. Well, it, it, that, and that, that game just didn't go well. I think I had a lot of mana trouble. Um, I went. I, I decided because I was running the four Rite of Flame that I wanted to run 19 mountains, or 19 lands, uh-huh. um, which I think was a mistake. I think that 20 lands would have been good. I think if I had to do it again, I would have cut the Rite of Flames. I would have gone for something a little more even more traditional, you know, which, I'm, I mean, I'm always wanting to try new ideas, but I guess a, a PTQ isn't a place to try new ideas. But anyway, I still want to thank, um, I still want to thank Mike Flores for uh, pushing me in that direction, because I don't think it was the wrong deck to bring, I just think that I made a couple deck choices that were the wrong choices, and I made a couple glaring play mistakes. But... Those were those were those were a learning experience for me, and I had a really good time. The most important thing was that none of my opponents were jerks. 
That's good. You know, I played against people that seemed pretty cool. Um, and the one guy that kind of seemed iffy as far as jerkness, I beat him. So, <laughs> so that was fine. Um, I would have had a little more problem if he would have beat me. So, so that was... So it was, it was a fun time all around, and the, I think the most fun that I had was uh, trading afterwards. They got a lot of really good trades done. I picked up a lot of stuff. This weekend I picked up so many cards. I think I have everything that I want from World Wake, with the exception of three Abyssal Persecutors. I got two Jason Mind Sculptor on Layaway from Joe. <laughs> on Layaway. So that was pretty sweet. <laughs> Jace Away. So, yeah, Jace Away. And, um... So, so it's good. So now I've got my set of Jaces. I'm ready to rock and roll with some control. And I know that, uh, you know, Keith's going to be praying he doesn't get paired up against me on Friday nights from starting next Friday, not this Friday. Cause Why I'm is Mono that? Yeah. Green. Mono Green. I wanted you to talk about that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so I was on uh, Twitter the other day, and I was just sitting around my room, bored as usual. And I was thinking about um, a simpler time in Magic. I was thinking about the time when I first started playing Magic, and I was getting a little nostalgic for it. I was thinking about my uh, original mono green stompy style deck list with Force and Natures and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I, I posted up on, on Twitter, I forget exactly what I had said, but I said something like, man, I'm really thinking about making a mono green deck list. I was thinking about all the different parallels between uh, you know standard, like, standard legal cards now and the cards that I had back then and I was making decks with back then. I'm thinking about how like Terra Stomper is a strict upgrade f to Force of Nature, um, outclassing it the way that Celestial Colonnade and Baneslayer have outclassed Sarah Angel. Yeah. Um, and just thinking about different things like that. And and you know, back when I used to be able to run my Finhorn Elves and my Llanowar Elves in the same deck, and, uh, and I was like, man, Arbor Elf is kind of like Horn Elves, you know, kind of a compliment to the Llanowar Elves. So I posted up a thing on Twitter. I was like, man, I'm thinking about running a mono green uh, stompy list or something. And then people started getting excited. So uh, Tiger Break writes, mono green stompy from a simpler simpler time in MTG. And um, and then, oh, and Fate Creator at, uh, said to me that um, mono green, 1995 mono green means birds of paradise, you know. And then I explained him to him that I had traded my birds for... Uh, Llanowar Elves, and he said, very sensible, what can you do with a O1 anyway? So we were talking about that, um, that was uh, Fate Creator, minus the O in Creator, um, and then Tiger Break said something, and then uh, Stupid Deck said, I've been thinking the same thing for Green, good old Senior Stompy, it's time for a comeback. So basically Fate Creator said that we'll each make deck lists and compare, maybe some testing, and then we'll all F&M them on the 26th. So... I'm holding you guys to this. Fate Creator, Stupid Deck, Tiger Break. You guys better come on Friday. I know you're all going to be at different FNMs, but you better come with your uh, mono green stompy list because I've got mine built and it's kind of fun. Um, it seems to be good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited because it feels like a pretty competitive deck. And for it, it feels in a way like Jund. I, I, in, a, in, a, in a way, right. because it's a little resistant, it's a little resilient, like to like wrath effects and things like that. You know, you play a wrath effect, and then I'm next turn I'm gonna drop like a, a Wolfbriar Elemental kicked three times, right, or Bestial Menace, or Bestial Menace, which just <clears throat> brings me right back. And I'm so happy to be able to actually play with my Bestial Menaces. <laughs> um, I'm up to eighteen now, two foil, 
15 non-foil, one signed and altered by Ken Nagel. Joe is unwrapping... Um, yeah, uh, my girlfriend's mom bought us dishes, like bought us uh, pots and pans. Pots and pans. Yeah, Joe is unwrapping and unlabeling pots and pans right now. It yes. is very domestic of him. Um, so I built this deck, and I'm ready to run it uh, on Friday. So I'm holding you guys to it. I'm going to blog about my list on Tuesday, and you guys can feel free to either uh, steal or uh, post up a comparison list. Um, and I feel like it's a decent deck. We'll see how uh, how it goes at the um, at, at FNM. I'll talk about it a little bit too. Just having played against it, um, we just played like four or five games. I think it definitely does seem like it has some game. Um, it will certainly uh, roll over to something like Iona. That's one weakness of the deck, but True. the deck is built to win before Iona's even going to be online. So definitely harkens back to the old 90s kind of stompy list. And, I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, turn one elves, turn two ban- leatherback bailoth, a great sable stag. He's got Oren reefs all over the place and, and uh, you know, no planeswalkers because what the hell is that, you know? <laughs> They're not real cards, not in the 90s anyway. Uh, you know, I, I would have Garrick's in the deck if I owned any, but I don't, so uh, what can you do? And, I, you know, honestly... I don't even know where Garrick would fit in the deck because I'm kind of happy with it the way it is. So I'm since I'm probably not going to even own any Garricks come Friday. I'm probably not going to go with any Garricks come Friday. Um, so that's the way it's got to be, you know. I'm sure that some of the other guys will be running Garricks in their decks, and I totally uh, encourage and endorse that idea. It's just that I don't have the Garricks to uh, to do the same. Well, here's one thing though about, about that deck. And I was saying this to Joe earlier. Uh, you know, he's playing against me, playing a blue base control deck, and the mono green cards that are around right now—they're like, they're pretty much pre-sideboarded against blue, and, and even blue white. Like, like you were saying with uh, De- I play Day of Judgment, you just play Bestial Menace or Kicked Wolfbriar Elemental, or uh, I'm sitting there Six with my main deck can't be countered creatures. Right, right. He's got Great Sable Stag and Terra Stomper. <clears throat> excuse me, that I can't even counter. So it's kind of like. Alright, I gotta hold my paths and oblivion rings for like Terra Stompers and and Great Sable Stags. And, you know, I gotta when I wrath, I need to try to make sure I have like a cancel also, because he'll just play Bestial Menace, and then I'll start getting hit with that. It's like uh, right uh, like right off the bat. Not to mention Vines of Vastwood. Now Vines of the Vastwood in the deck, yeah, like so <laughs> even if I have the path for the stag, he can just Protected. It. It. So it's like pre-sideboarded almost, just naturally, just by nature, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> what I feel is interesting about Terra Stomper, and I'm starting to like realize this just playing the card. I, I mean, I guess it, it should have been obvious, but you know, like they've been saying, like who I forget who said it. Like no, nothing is less fun for like a casual, for like a for a like a Timmy, is to have their their cards countered. Yeah. So, I mean, Terra Stomper is like the ultimate Timmy card, you know? It's an 8-8 trampler, and it can't be countered. So they know that they're going to get it on the board, and they're not... And, and I feel like that was an interesting choice for them, to, to make a card like that. Yeah, back in my day, the 8-8 tramplers had four green upkeep costs, and then dealt eight damage to me if I didn't pay it. <laughs> right, and now they're just... Sick. They were they were Timmy cards then. It was like yeah, force of nature. 
Oh man, I had a Force of Nature and it was like the greatest card I think I ever owned. Yeah, so overall the mono green list is, uh, is really interesting and I'm looking forward to running it at F&M. Um, I guess we should move on to a couple other quick little topics before we yeah. wrap up. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, I judged an event on Sunday. It was the first time I'd ever judged an event besides the Zendikar release event mm -hmm. that I wasn't actually like also playing. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> that was fun. Um, you know, there, were, there weren't actually too many... It was fairly smooth sailing. Uh, and maybe that kind of is a testament to how stale of a format standard is right now. <laughs> uh, that people didn't have too many questions. So, um, you know, everything went well there. Um, the, the, um, there was a, a J, there was a blue-white control list that made top eight. Um, I don't remember if it lost to, uh, to what it lost to, but... Jund wound up making it to the final table, but lost to Anaya deck. So, I guess there's uh, uh, maybe a moral victory for LSV. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. I had a good time. It was a good experience um, judging an event. So there's an event uh, called the Baltimore Open. It's happening um, next month, and I believe there is I think it's a thousand dollars for first prize. So um, if anyone wants to come to that, you can learn more about it at BaltimoreMTG.com. And so that's a that, that's a cool event. Y'all should come out to that. Are you judging that one, or you don't know? I don't know. Me, okay. you, or Lloyd will probably be judging it. Oh wow, cool. Um, one of us, you know, I told him I was like, one of us is free. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got one other guy doing it. He said he has one guy already that he promised to do okay. it. But then he said he needs one more person. So okay. it'll either be me, you, or Lloyd. We'll have to just like have like a, a arm wrestling tournament to right. determine uh, because we can't do that to decide games of magic, but we can do it to decide who's going to judge the tournament. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, moving on from that, um, I, I came across um, this guy's uh, YouTube channel the other day. Uh, his name on YouTube is Andrew MTG, no space. So if you go to youtube.com slash Andrew MTG, uh, he posts videos of different decks, and it's a more of a casual kind of, uh, they're more casual decks, but the videos that he does are phenomenal. He right, uses really high quality. High quality videos. He labels the cards as they're played. Um, he uses really cool music, mostly hip hop based, which I personally love. Um, he had a. Uh, uh, like this uh, kind of a like a I don't even know what you could call it like some sort of remix of uh, in the club and uh, and then Jay Z mashup with uh, Daft Punk um, at the towards the end of his newest video and that was I, I just I just love the music I love the, the 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 production value I think it's really good and you guys should all look at these uh, uh, these videos and and subscribe to his channel because he puts out some quality stuff and it's fun. Fun to watch it. It's uh, he's got five videos up right now, like uh, Abyssal Trader versus Valakit Ramp uh, is one of the games. Yeah, Allies versus Abyssal Trader. Um, I've actually learned a couple interesting plays. Uh, I, I saw a couple interesting plays just based on these videos. I was like, man, that's really cool. I never thought to like, you know, swing with the Abyssal Persecutor and then use Mark of Mutiny on him to untap him and put a plus one plus one counter and shorten the clock on it. Yeah, I'm like, that is just cool. Like, I, I don't know. It's a really cool. Uh, it's a cool thing, so you should check it out. And I think he's on. Uh, he's okay. He's based out of Kentucky, apparently. Uh, you can find him on on uh, Twitter at as uh, Drew MTG. Um, so so look for the guy. He, he does some cool stuff, and and I, and I just wanted to give him a little attention here on the podcast because I feel like it's deserved. Um, also, um, 
Speaking of people uh, who are uh, on our Twitter, uh, we have Dave Rockstar, which is all one word. I guess all Twitter names are all one word, aren't they? I think so. Um, <laughs> so Dave Rockstar is a uh, Dave uh, Helker, and um, we've we've known well we've we've known of him. I guess well he's been around in our same uh, kind of local play areas. Um, yeah, he plays at all the same places we've been playing for fifteen years. So so anyway, I ran into him at the PTQ. Um, and I just wanted to say that he he's doing a site now with a bunch of other local Baltimore players, and it's o2drop.com. There's no zero, dash zero two zero two drop.com, and um, they do strategy articles. They have a message board and things like that. So you should definitely check that out. I also wanted to mention something uh, this morning that uh, Russell Tasker posted on the Twitter. Um, he's R Tasker. That's T A S S I C K E R. Uh, on Twitter, he um, he posted something I found interesting, and I haven't even mentioned this to Joe, but uh, he said he's starting to wonder if M11 will see the enemy versions of the M10 lands rather than reprinting the M10 ones because of now Worldwake giving us allied color dual lands. I thought that was a pretty good uh, you know theory, or, you know speculation as far as uh, what might be in M11 because wow. we do we have we now have allied. Dual lands from Worldwake that will be legal, you know, for all the way up until fall of 2012 or 2011. We could potentially see the Glacial Fortress and uh, Sun Petal Grove cycle be kind of uh, left out of M11 in place of some enemy colored dual lands. Um, it would be interesting. I, I can that see the logic there. Yeah. That is a that's some wild logic. I like that. I would have never thought of that. So. Um, something Conley Woods said a while ago, I, I believe it was Conley Woods, said a while back that he suspects that come M12, they're going to reprint the Ravnica Shocklands. Right, I think he did, I Once, remember him saying that because they have rotated from extended at that point. Right, once they rotate from extended, that they could possibly print those in M12. I mean, and that was the before uh, M10 came out. A lot of people were speculating that it was going to be the Ravnica duels being reprinted in M10 because they are clean, very you know, their names are generic enough to where they're not associated with one particular plane or block or something like that. So, uh, you know, we've got Temple Garden and, and things like that. Temple Garden doesn't sound. Yeah, it's pretty generic. Right, they're not going to reprint anything in M11 with Bushido. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's an interesting theory, too. But I think that, uh, you know, while that's a lot more speculation, I think that Russell's really on to something with that. Because that's, yeah, I mean, first of all, they can print new cards. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, with, I mean, maybe we'll, get, maybe we'll get all ten. Who knows? Maybe we will. But, uh, but it, I can see how... Or maybe they'll just reprint the... Uh, the other ones. I mean, maybe they'll just reprint the Glacial Fortress, etc. Right, right. They could do that. I'm just thinking, um, you know, we do now have allied color dual lands available. It's true. And they're going to be available for just as long as M11 will be available. You but know? we also do have enemy fetch lands. Right. So, so they may... Right. So the, so the counter argument to that was that they may not because they don't want to over-encourage enemy color decks, perhaps. Right. That's that's one way to look at the other side of that, but either way, it's a pretty interesting theory. Right, right, I agree. Um, I, I was wondering about Jace, actually, now that we're on the topic of M11. So, do you think, I mean, they're, they're going to put Planeswalkers in M11. I mean, I would think they're part of the game, and they're a big draw. So, 
are they just going to reprint the same five? Are they going to reprint some of the same five and re replace other ones? Are we going to get new Planeswalkers in M10? Or because, M11? Yeah, I mean, M11. Wow. Like, because here, we, right now, we have both Jaces available. Um, they could just, you know, do that again. Just reprint Jace again. They could reprint Jace the Mind Sculptor. They I don't think they would. No. I'm, trying, I'm looking at the options. Right, right, right. Or do we get Tezzeret because of the artifact block sp supposedly coming up? Hmm. You know, does Tezzeret get reprinted? Because he's going to rotate in the fall. So as soon as, uh, you know, if the artifact block that people think is coming in the fall uh, is actually true, um, then Tezzeret would go right with that. So do they reprint Tezzeret and not print, not reprint Jace Bellerin, uh, the Lorwyn version of Jace? So that's, that's, that's an interesting point. I think that they would... Honestly, I think they would reprint uh, Jace Bellerin, and my reasoning for that is that um, Tezzeret's a little too narrow, um, yeah. and and he's not really a card that a newer player can in, can get into or enjoy, I would argue. I mean, I'm sure there's a counter-argument to that, but I, it doesn't seem like if I were to see Tezzeret as, uh, as a Timmy, I would just be like, what? Why do I want to untap artifacts for all this mana? Like, this is... I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I don't think that... I think it's still... You know, it's but it's also yeah, well, sure. But the other thing is, it's not really an iconic ability of blue. Whereas card draw uh -huh. um, and and milling are very iconic and very uh, symbolic of what they want blue to represent because right. they obviously don't want to represent counter spells. I, I think that uh, Nis is way too narrow in the same vein as Tezzeret. Right. So I'm thinking Garrick would get reprinted there. Uh, Chandra is an interesting question because Chandra Nalar and Chandra Blaze. Both are, I mean, obviously Chandra Nalar's abilities are a little easier for a newer player to understand, but they both have some pretty, um, some pretty cool iconic red abilities. Right. Um, and well, well, I mean, maybe maybe drawing cards off of a red spell isn't the most iconic. Uh, right. So I guess you you're going with the, you know, it needs to be iconic to get into M11 kind of argument, and that and that makes sense because it is the core set. And if that's what they're doing, then they're going to use pretty much the the original five planeswalkers because that's why they were designed the way they were. They were intended to be iconic for their colors. But if they keep using that logic, they're just never going to, you know, it's just always going to be the same five planeswalkers right. every year. Well, so. here's where here's where my theory uh, goes goes away. I mean, because okay. going going forward with, from there, I think they're going to reprint Elspeth, and yeah. I think they're going to reprint Soren Markov in M11. Huh. I think they're going to reprint both of those in M11 because, um, I mean, Liliana kind of sucks. Um, Ajani Goldmane is a great card, but it's not seeing that much play. Um, right. I feel, and they have Honor of the Pure. Right. I feel like they're going to go in a different direction with M11. I think they're going to go Elspeth because Elspeth creates soldier tokens, uh -huh. shoot, uh, you know, uh, pumps creatures and sends them in the air, which is pretty neat. And then it can make things indestructible, which to like a new player is like all my things are indestructible like this is so cool like <laughs> instead of like making an avatar token and then having it get pathed right right like they're like oh that sucks like like that resolving that ultimate and then having it just blown out by a removal spell yeah that's is like the such worst. a downer yeah it is it really is a bummer because I remember I I wasn't thinking one game and I played the Johnny's ultimate my friend was like okay I'm gonna take it with the uh, 
with Sarkinvol and oh, attack. Man. <laughs> oh, I was like, God. oh. Oh, yeah, you, you can do that, huh? I like, wasn't paying attention to Sarkinvol. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sad now. It's about as it's about as crappy as things get uh, for for a casual player. Right, right. To but spend all these like spend all this time building up to something just to have it like blow up in your face. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of ways for that to blow up in your face right now in standard with Mark of Mutiny and with Active Treason. Yeah, and just and, a path to exile. And just a path to exile. Smother. Smother. <laughs> yeah. Any any removal spell. So I really think that they're going to go away. That they're going to do away with the Johnny Goldmane and they're going to reprint Elspeth. Okay. Um, and that all makes sense to me. I think. For similar reasons, though, that I think there might be, there's too much Jace, right? I think there. That's why I think they might go Tezzeret or just another blue planeswalker. They could. Which, I, mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know that they'd want to reprint another blue planeswalker so soon, because right. they just gave us a new blue planeswalker. Um, so, and at the same time, I just don't know that they'd want to reprint Jace Bellerin when they just printed, you know, this new Jace. And they're going to pr- print the same one again. It's kind of like he—he he almost seems like he's not. There's no reason for him to be in the format. I guess you could say the same thing about Chandra, but uh, I think with Chandra Nalar versus Chandra Ablaze, they kind of want to do different things. They can almost go in two different kinds of decks. With Jace, I feel like they want to go in the same kind of decks. I mean, Jace Bellerin's just draw cards in the mill. Jace the Mind Sculptor is. Arrange atop your library, draw cards, and mill. Like it's like they they kind of want to do the same things. Obviously, Jace, Jace the Mind Sculptor does it better. Um, it's it's like he's the original Jace is outclassed by the new Jace, and they seem like they want to do similar things. So I don't know that there'd be a good reason for them to reprint Jace Bellerin. So I think Tezzeret makes sense with a new block coming up, as long as they, you know, just to have the artifact kind of thing going on, because poor Tezzeret, like, you know, they, they put this Esper deck in standard, and it's just not anywhere near as strong as it, it needs to be. Um, My uh, problem is, I feel like reprinting the Tezzeret could blow up in their faces, because I think they almost don't want it to be standard legal right, by the time this too. new set comes out. Um, and I also think that reprinting Jace Bellerin as opposed to Jace the Mind Sculptor. I really don't think they'll reprint Jace the Mind Sculptor because it's too complicated for a new player. Um, it's just, I, I just don't, I mean, I'm, I think it's a great card personally, but I think that for a new player, you know, each player draws a card, you draw a card, or top 20 cards from the library to the graveyard is very simple, very clean, and is the kind of thing that they would put in a core set. Now, the reason why they would reprint a Jace Bellerin mm-hmm. rather than um, coming up with a new blue planeswalker because I agree with you that they just did do a new blue planeswalker. They probably won't do another new blue planeswalker. Uh-huh. Um, they put that Jace in there for the people who can't spend sixty dollars on a Jace the Mind Sculptor, and or for people who you know newer players who have to play against Jace the Mind Sculptor. They can go kill your Jace, right? You know, so I think that. Have, I think that both Jaces have their home, and it's kind of like a Jace versus Jace kind of thing, where you know the player, the new player who wants to run a mill strategy, can run the uh, the Jace Bellerin, and the player who wants to run more of a brainstorm, more of a setup for your win condition, a little more of an advanced strategy, can run the Jace the Mind Sculptor, and both players of blue are happy, and most importantly, the player who is new and who gets into Jace Bellerin 
is like, oh man, blue is kind of cool. And then they're like, well, what other kind of thing? Once they start, they they have a they have a somewhere to start there with Jace Bellerin, and then they can discover how cool something like Jace the Mind Sculptor is, and 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 kind of build on their on their knowledge of the game. No, that makes sense. I just don't think that the Mind Sculptor is so complicated that he wouldn't be good for newer players. Well, it has I four abilities. Also, it, it, it's ooh, just, I can't tell the difference between three and four. No, no, no. But, but it's just it's <laughs> just not it, like, it's just not it's just not linear with the rest of the Planeswalker. That's all I'm right. saying. And and they and they like things when they're especially when they're printing core sets. Well, uh, they, they like things that are linear. Other point was that I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I I would want to say like the core set. I don't think is I don't think they're trying to make it as simple as possible like they used to. I think they're allowing themselves to stretch a little bit further with the new core set. You know, just the fact that they're reprinting cards. I mean, I guess you can never tell what's confusing or complicated to a new player because really the whole game's confusing and complicated to a new player. True. So I don't think that any of the cards really they're printing recently have been super any more complicated than then the whole game will seem to somebody who's just trying to learn. I mean, any, it's obviously, Baneslayer Angel is complicated compared to Goliath Sphinx. I mean, but they'll still print it. You know, I mean, there's right, going to right. be things. There's lifelink. What is lifelink? You know, what does this word mean? Like, that's complicated to somebody who doesn't know what that means. Right. You know, um, so, you know, first strike. What is that? You know, it's so, there. I mean, I know those are pretty simple terms to us, but if a player wants to learn the game, I don't think they... Uh, they're going to have that much... It's not that much of a reach for them to understand, well, this Planeswalker has four abilities. You know, neat. This one has four abilities. Like, the other ones have this. Maybe they'll print another one with four abilities, a new Planeswalker. Well, I, I don't um, know what they're doing, what their plan is for M11. Based now, on the uh, on the chat that they did recently with uh, Mike Turian and uh, Ken Nagel and Mark Rosewater, uh-huh. um, when they asked... They, somebody asked Mark Rosewater, are you ever going to print another Planeswalker with four abilities? And he was like, well, maybe... Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> right, so so that isn't the so that isn't the last planeswalker we will see with four abilities. It might right. be the last one we see. Um, you know, I mean, maybe there might be one in uh, in the next set that will yeah, uh, that will have four abilities. But Mark Rosewater clearly stated that you know it's not something that they do all the time, but it is something that they're going to do again. He clearly said right, that. right. He so, said yes, it will. He also said that they may reprint Tarmogoyf and. I think that's a really... He said, maybe, you know, you never know. Of course you know, he's from the future, you know? <laughs> so uh, so, so he said, you know, maybe they'll reprint Tarmogoyf, which I thought was a really interesting thing and kind of got people a little fired up on Twitter that day. Yeah. Um, I hope they do. We're going to get into... Actually, this is kind of a sneak preview. Um, <laughs> we're going to do... We're going to bring Lloyd Frias back, uh, Maryland State Champion. Right, right. We're going to bring him back onto the podcast for another episode here um, in the next couple episodes or so. We're going to do a debate on the reserve list because Lloyd is a diehard vintage player and Lloyd is vehemently against dropping the... the um, reserve list. The reserve list. And Joe uh, is of the mindset that they should print a second Chronicles, which is obviously the other side of the coin. Right. And I'm somewhere in the middle. So I feel if we get the three of us together and we have a discussion about the reserve list, I think it could be really entertaining and to give you, the listener, all these different viewpoints on the reserve list. Because obviously, you know, we've had a lot of articles coming out recently calling for the end of the reserve list and these articles and these players are all you know or the, uh, these articles are coming from players that are 
you know, maybe they don't have all those cards, you know? Right. But, like, when you have a player who has spent, you know, college scholarship money um, on on Power 9 and things like that, it becomes, it becomes a bit of a... Of a um, a point of um, contention. Of yeah. contention. So, so we we want to have this on record. We want. We, I just want to get this discussion going, and I think it'll be a lot of fun to have Lloyd on here. You know, we'll all be friends at the end of the day, but I think it would be a fun little healthy debate to uh, to get committed to tape and to uh, share with the public. Right, and, and I mean, obviously, and I'm going to repeat this in that episode, I'm sure, because. Uh, but the main thing is, uh, we're all in a way. At least Lloyd and I are biased. He has his cards mm-hmm. and doesn't want the reserve list to go. And I don't have any of those cards. And I want the reserve list gone. I want a reprinting of Chronicles because I just want to play. I want to play Legacy. I want to play it. Can't right. can't play it. That's all my argument is. It's very simple. Right. I can't play Legacy like that. I'm not paying that much. Right. I don't have the funds to to do that. So it's very simple to me. Um, and that's the thing. I'm biased towards mm-hmm. it. So. You know that that's all. But. Right. So that so that'll I think that'll be a good uh, a good episode. Um, but uh, and, it, and it's kind of funny because I, li- I like listening to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the the Magic Cruise episodes because I wasn't there. I'm right. like, oh cool, this is like a new podcast, but it's like my podcast. <laughs> like that's kind of neat. Like I get to listen to <coughs> exclusive footage. Like and my name's listed on there with Joe's, but I had nothing to do with it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even. Shit, that's awesome. Speaking of which, uh, and again, we can't. I, I don't know what's going to go up first, or if they're going to go up simultaneously. But I've got an episode with uh, an interview with Evan Irwin, and then also I talked to Nick Aid, a local player. Um, Lemonade on Twitter. That's right, Lemon A Y D. Right, right, exactly. On Twitter. So uh, those will be coming up soon. I, I finished editing it. I'm probably going to upload it tonight, but I may actually upload this one tonight as well. So you might be getting a double shot yet again. And um, and lastly, I'm working on like a, a short little video. It's probably going to end up just being like a music video kind of thing of the Magic Cruise. But I did get a little bit of video footage. I figure we might put that up on YouTube or something. So uh, you know, you can look forward to that. But after that, it's probably going to go back to our regular, you know, one episode a week kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I think that's everything. Uh, we have a rap contest that we forgot to mention. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of entries um, for the rap contest. Yeah, uh, but we want more. And, yeah, and um, you know, so if anyone else besides the one guy who submitted one wants to uh, <laughs> submit a rap for our rap contest, um, you should uh, submit it to us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com. On episode, what was that, 10? Must have been 10, I think, that we talked about. On episode 10, we had about 28 minutes in, there was a break, and we had our rap song that uh, we're working on, a, a demo of our rap song for the podcast. And there's a there's a section in there for you to write a rap for Joey, because... Joey doesn't feel like writing it. I mean, he kind of... I mean, he... I started kind of writing little bits down, but... So if you guys don't start submitting stuff, Joe's just going to do his own. And uh, and nobody's going to win. Um, <laughs> so how about that? Although we have to thank MTG Bearchuck for actually submitting right. one. Um, his is and, pretty cool. And his is pretty cool. So if nobody else submits it, he's going to win by default. There you go. So, uh, so, so send us in some raps uh, for that contest. And the winner will get hugs. And... Um, <laughs> So, uh, what, what else? I, I did want to mention, and thanks to, uh, to Mr. Scotty Mac for the 
opportunity to possibly go up to uh, Grand Prix Toronto, is it? Yes. Uh, back up in, in October. October. In October. So we, we may be there, just to give you guys a, a heads up. You know, we might be actually at Grand Prix Toronto, thanks to the uh, hospitality of Scott McCallum. Um, A.K.A. Mr. Scotty Mac Mr. Scotty Mac On Twitter <laughs> I also want to give a special shout out To uh, Funky J Medina John Medina a- A.K.A. MTG Metagame A.K.A. MTG Metagame.com uh, He uh, he hasn't sent it yet But he has a package together for me for my birthday And I really appreciate that um, I, I'm just curious how many damn wolf tokens And, uh, best, and or bestial menaces Will be included in that $240 worth of pudding Oh yeah We had the 240 We had to have the pudding um, <laughs> What the hell is that? Really? It's from the state well, I haven't seen the state since like 1995. I remember that from 1995, and I have it on DVD. Well, you have an advantage. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, okay, so let's wrap it up. Joe's doing like the bull rush thing because he's got to go to the bathroom. He's like <laughs> kicking his foot back. He's like, I'm gonna charge up to the bathroom, charging my leg up. <laughs> now I'm ready to go. Kind of like dancing. So, foot, like, so anyway, if you want to contact us, you can get us at uh, yoMTGtaps at gmail.com. You can find us on youtube.com slash yoMTGtaps. You can join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com slash pages slash yo dash MTG dash taps slash 237 Joey's blog is affinityforislands.com. My blog is otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com, and I will actually be posting some shit on there this week. Um, you can leave us a voicemail at 331-MTG-TAPS. You can follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTAPS or Affinity for Blue for Joe's personal, a.k.a. magic. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's now Joe, my magic. Tweet. Joe uses Twitter so much for magic that he to- told all of his non-magic friends to follow him on another Twitter account because I think they were just getting a little annoyed with all the magic. Yeah, I think that's all of the different ways you can contact us. And for the record, most of the time on the YoMTG Taps Twitter, it's me uh-huh. um, because I don't have my own Twitter. Um, Joe compulsively tweets from his affinity for blue, uh-huh. and I tend to compulsively tweet from the YoMTG Taps. But if it's if if Joe is on there or if Joey is on there, Joey will put his name in parentheses, yeah. and I sometimes remember to do it, especially <laughs> when I say something that probably Joe doesn't want to have associated with himself. So I'll put my name in there to take full credit for it and full responsibility. Um, but just know that that a lot of times when I'm not putting who it is, it's probably me because Joe seems to be pretty good at remembering that when I'm just like blah, 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 comment on everything and then hit send, you know. So um, so just know that. Alright, well thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Stay out of trouble. Be true to your school. Always look on the bright side of life. Dare to keep kids off drugs. Another corny, motivational saying.
Bitte. 